Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. This is the Hardway Podcast, and I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. Hi, you guys. Welcome back. Or if this is your first time listening, welcome. We're happy to have you. And, you know, this week I've been really struck by the fact that I feel people have really forgotten what's important. I was struck by that, too. Were you really? I was. I, I No, I, I feel like there are so many things going on in our world today that are important, but do you ever feel like people are just constantly focused on things that don't matter at all? Yes, I really do. I feel like people want to chop a tree down and they go out and pinch a leaf off of one of the branches and go, there, I've done it. I think that's a really good way to describe it because I've been seeing, I don't know about you, but I've been seeing a lot of Christians fighting with each other about things that really are unimportant. I'm not talking about Christians saying, hey, it's wrong to say the Bible isn't the word of God or Christians saying, hey, it's wrong to say Jesus isn't God. Obviously, there are big theological issues and spiritual matters and even matters of worldview that are things that as Christians we should be fighting for, right? And we should be united in. Yes, absolutely. But uh, for me, at least, the things that I've been seeing people fighting over have not really been things of that matter, things the things that are really important like that. Right. Yeah, I, and I've seen people, uh, a lot of folks who they claim to be Christian, and they are making claims that have more to do with secondary doctrines than with mm -hmm. primary doctrines. And people will say, well, there's no such thing as secondary doctrines are all important. And to, to which I usually respond. So what you mean to tell me is whether or not we use one cup or separate cups during communion is worth deciding whether someone's going to hell or not, or whether we take communion every Sunday or once a month or every quarter, you know, I prefer once a, I prefer every Sunday, but that's my, that's my preference and my conviction. And I'm sure not going to tell someone who does it once a month, you're not a Christian or you're going to hell or you're in, you know. You right. And to, and to say that there are no secondary doctrines or no peripheral or non-essential doctrines is really to say then, okay, well, whether someone is saved or not is dependent upon something as small as how often are you taking communion? Are you using one cup or multiple cups? And when you lay it out like that, to me, it sounds ridiculous. Does that sound ridiculous to you? It gets quite ridiculous. <laughs> it really does. I, I don't feel like we're exaggerating when we're making that comparison because the things that I'm seeing people arguing over, you know, you're seeing people saying, okay, well, you know, you're this pastor and you said that you would go to, you know, a gay wedding. So everything that you've ever said, I'm burning all of your books. I'm never reading anything from you again. You're probably not even a Christian. Right. So the the so we're going to address, I think we should set a couple of boundaries. Let's address some of these issues, not giving the answers, but just, just ex as exposing them yeah. to the light uh, as examples of this, ex this these positions. And then what I'd like to do is maybe discuss 
what is the context that that creates an environment where we're in this in this place? Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think one of the things that I would point out, you mentioned the the gay wedding thing, and that's been going around a lot lately. I mean, that has been a big, huge topic of discussion in social media circles and people's conversations because a very well-respected, very famous pastor said basically that he would go. Now, you might be having a visceral, a visceral reaction right now hearing, you know, how could any Christian go or how could any Christian not go? But I think that what we have to recognize is that when, when our Lord walked among us as a man, he didn't take the opportunity to give us a restatement of the laws of the Old Covenant. He didn't give take the oppor- a, a direct restatement. He didn't take the opportunity to say, okay, here's, here's 150 new rules for you to follow. What he did was he gave us principles. And when we have principles, it means that a lot of what we do is going to be dependent upon our heart posture, our intention, our personal convictions from the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, we're not here to give an opinion or an answer or really even to dive deeply at all into that issue of should you or shouldn't you go to a gay wedding. What we are here to say is that it is a matter of prayer and conviction and something that individuals will have to come to for themselves. And it's not something that is worth saying you're not saved over or worth saying everything that you've done to benefit the church as a whole, all of the solid theological writing and work and ministry that you've done is now worthless because you hold this opinion. Well, yeah, well, let's let's stop right there and think about it. Imagine if we apply this standard where we'll say, well, this author has taken this, has has taken a position on, well, we'll make it a big one. We'll say this guy's Calvinist but he's not, and, and as opposed to Arminian, which is which is a for those who don't know, these are viewpoints on on the way God's role and man's role in salvation. That's the, probably the simplest way to to, yeah. to put it. And these are things that go beyond the things that the Lord said very plainly about salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and it's not of your own. Is it a gift? It's a gift from, from God. God, lest none should boast. Right. And all Calvinists and all Arminians agree, agree on, that. on that. Yeah, they just they disagree on does the Lord extend grace to everyone or just to those who He's chosen in advance? When Jesus died on the cross, was His atonement? On the cross, was it for everyone, or is it just for those whom he had chosen? That's called limited atonement. Uh, can we lose our salvation, like, or are we eternally secure? But they agree on a lot more than they disagree on. They just don't yes. focus on that. They and all the important things, the really main things that the Lord makes that the Scripture makes very makes very clear. They agree on. Okay, so let's say you're rejecting some guy because or some gal because it says Calvinist after their name in their. Uh, their bio, their biography on on some social media page or in the back of their book or something. Yeah. So now you're going to reject them. Think about that standard if you applied it to, oh, I don't know, King David. I can't read any of his Psalms. That fool committed adultery. Or to Peter. I can't read first or second Peter or even the Gospel of Mark, which was sometimes called the Gospel of St. Peter, because he denied Christ three, three times. times, and then he refused to eat with the Gentiles and had to be rebuked by 
Paul. But hey, I don't know. I can't even trust Paul because Paul used to persecute Christians back when he was Saul. We have forgotten about yep, that. Yep. And what about that thorn in Paul's side? I mean, we don't know exactly what well, that, that was. Exactly. That could have been something pretty bad. <laughs> and if he hadn't had faith, maybe he wouldn't have had that thorn. Right? I mean, that's so, the type of thing that people would say and do say. Right. And so that standard is really ridiculous. And personally, I find it a little bit, I mean, you could say ironic, you could say hypocritical, that Christians as a whole have tended to be the loudest voices against cancel culture, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of Christians, especially conservative Christians, that are really outspoken and saying cancel culture is wrong. Right. And yet it's those same people who are so quick to cancel people within their own fold. Right. Right. Because, oh, you know, we don't want non-Christians to cancel us, but we're completely fine with canceling other Christians. Right. Because one of the things that we teach consistently is that abiding in Christ is the key to bearing good spiritual fruit. And it's also the key to surviving major key. In, in surviving religious restrictions Restriction and persecution and, and persecute enduring persecution. But what we don't stop to think about is that abiding in Christ bears the, the fruit of the spirit. But one of the fruits that you can bear is divisions or creating factions, but that's not a fruit of God's spirit. That's a fruit, a fruit of Satan. Of, that's, that's a fruit, a fruit, of, of, a fruit flesh, of the flesh, right? which, you know, you see those people always talk about the fruits of the spirit and people have those memorized. But for those that don't have the fruits of the flesh memorized, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says the fruits of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you've got some obvious ones in there. Sexual immorality, right? Idolatry. Right. Witchcraft. And yet, I'm also seeing dissensions, factions discord. Mm -hmm. So these things are being listed in the same list as idolatry, as witchcraft, as sexual immorality. So clearly this is a big deal. And this isn't the only place where we see this referenced. Paul specifically writes and rebukes a lot about dissensions, divisions, factions, and is constantly writing and reminding the Christians of the early church not to be divided and not to be uh, in dissension with, with one another and stirring up strife and discord. You know, I agree 100%. And I, I, I think that it's really important to uh, clarify that we, we're proposing that Christians be united in, in light of truth, not yes. in spite of truth. Absolutely. Yes. So we want to be super clear on that. You know, like the divinity of Christ. Yes, Jesus was 100% Christ and 100% man. That's a theological, or 100% God, 100% man. And that's called the hypostatic or hypostatic union. union. That's the theological term for that. And it took, it took the early church fathers a couple hundred years to really get a hold of that concept. They were trying to figure it out and they had to really work at it. They actually had to come at, as a, a side note, they had to come at it backwards to get to the answer. They had to actually say, okay, what is Jesus not? 
and we could figure out what Jesus was not, then we could figure out what he was. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how they worked their way back into it. And so now we have this, now it's very obvious to us when we read in scripture, Jesus was God, Jesus was man. Yeah. He was two at once. And we see that, but now that's a doctrine you can't compromise on. Yes. And somebody who is preaching against that is what would be called a false teacher because the New Testament speaks a lot about calling out false teachers. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of Christians today have misunderstood what the term false teacher really means and have become emboldened to call out and cancel people for theological differences Mm -hmm. under the guise of, well, they're a false teacher because they disagree with me. They're a false teacher because they're from a slightly different denomination than I am. They're a false teacher because they've associated with this person. Instead of saying, okay, what does it really mean to be a false teacher? What does it really mean to be heretical or to be teaching heresy, right? If you are, you know, say you're a Calvinist, you can't say it is heresy to teach Arminianism, Right. But people do. But some people do say that and vice versa. That's people do that well, equally you, on both if sides. If you, if you don't, I've been seeing a lot of people saying if you don't understand God's word or you don't take the Bible seriously mm-hmm. or you don't have a high view of scripture mm-hmm. unless you're, you know, or unless you're this or that or, yeah. or, you know, or maybe I question your salvation or I question your faithfulness or yep. those kinds of things. And I'm even starting to see it seep in as there's a growing group of people who are kind of moving on from. You know, like the Left Behind movie series and that and that version of end times theology where Jesus, there's going to be a, G, a rapture before a period of tribulation, and there's going to be a return of Christ before a millennial reign, and then a final judgment. That's called premillennial dispensationalism right. for any and, of y'all and, that want to look that up. <laughs> and and that's that's been around for about just about 200 years now, that doctrine in that, in that way. And some people are starting to move away from that and go back to what's called post-millennialism, which is doesn't really have a, a tribulation like is described in, the, in that other view and doesn't have a rapture. A, a secret rapture. A secret rapture, like is in that view. And so there's people going back to that, and they're already, you know, starting to attack people who hold other views. I'm mm-hmm. like— And I find it so interesting because people—I mean, it's kind of like the kid in school that gets bullied and then moves to a new school and becomes a bully. Right. Right. Because you experienced that myself. You know, a lot of the people that were bullying me used to be bullied themselves. One kid. One kid in particular. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that we're seeing this with theological viewpoints where for a long time, anybody who wasn't premillennial dispensational was being told in evangelical circles, if you don't agree with this theology, you're not saved. You don't take the Bible seriously. Right. And so all of the post millennials and the amillennials and the historic premillennials, you guys can Google all that later, are, are were being told, you're probably not even saved. And now that those viewpoints are starting to gain more popularity, they're turning right back around and doing the exact same thing to the premillennial dispensationals. And you can apply this to Calvinism and Arminianism. You can apply it to the different views on baptism, the different views on communion, women in ministry, any of those kind of contentious issues. You can see at different times, one view or the other tends to be the dominant view. And whichever view is the dominant view, they're so quick to you know bully or cancel the other ones. And when it's flipped, they do the same thing back. 
So let me tell you a story that's going to sound unrelated, but it's actually directly related to my what I'm going to say next. He's saying this for my benefit so that when he's talking, I'm not signaling him like, hey, this is a rabbit trail. Pick it up. Pick it up. (laughs) So I have a great great uncle that was a colonel in the Marine Corps during the Korean War. And if anybody's been in the military and you've been and you've been in places where you're stationed with the other branches of the service, there it was very common to fight with each other, get into fist fights all the time. You know, army guys fighting the Air Force guys and the Navy mm-hmm. guys and the Marines and and all four of us were together. Boy, it really got crazy. <laughs> but there and it was it always fighting. But this grand uncle of mine would tell the story of a time when he and his men, his whole like unit was pinned down by the Chinese in, in uh, Korea. And they were, they were way outnumbered and they were in a bad position and they were looking like it was the end for them. And they called in the Air Force. And the Air Force showed up and took out the enemy. I mean, at least took them out to a sufficient point to where they weren't they were too busy, you know, running to 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 fight back at that point. Wow. Really came to the rescue. He said, I've never been so happy to see the Air Force in my whole life. I love the Air Force. And That's I think amazing. I think the reason I'm making that point is because this is a telltale sign. What we're talking about right now, these divisions and factions arguing over secondary doctrines, making the making things that are secondary the primary things, judging people, canceling people, rejecting people because of one little doctrine they disagree with. You don't see that in the persecuted church. No, because not they're at all. in the trenches. And maybe in peacetime, they might be Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, but in wartime. wartime. I need you and you need me and we're all we're all on the same team. And so that's why I always tell people when they want to argue these doctrines with me, I can argue them. I have You have a strong opinions on all of them. Have, so do I. So exactly. And we don't some of ours aren't the same as each other's. Exactly. We, don't, we don't that might be surprising to you guys. We don't agree on every single intricacy of theology. Eventually I had come around to Maddie's way of thinking and acknowledge she's right. <laughs> yep, that's exactly how it goes. So but but, you know, we're doing ministry together. Mm-hmm. We know, you know, think about our team, our Bible courier team. I guarantee you that every single person on there has some place where their doctrine differs. From the other bit. people on the team. But we're united on the, in all of the plain things, all of the main things, yeah. all the important things, right? And, and... We choose not to go into the areas that are secondary because we've got a mission. Yeah. So when we get all of the persecuted church supplied with Bibles and and, and they've received all the prayers they need, then we're going to fight about it. That's our great, that's our DA. There you go. Okay. And that's my promise to anybody that's listening right now or to you. When all of the people in the world that are, are, have heard the gospel and all who want to it's receive saved. a Bible, have a Bible, and all that want to learn the basics of Christianity, have learned the basics of Christianity, then I will devote my time to arguing <laughs> about which color is the right color for carpet in the church. There you and go. And I'll fight you to the death over it. But until then, I won't. And I think the problem is these people are acting that way because they don't realize that we are in a war. And they don't know who the enemy is, right? And And they don't understand because if you have a common enemy, right? I mean, you hate to say it this way, that phrase, the enemy of the enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We've all got the same enemy. Right. right. Whether you are, you know, Baptist, Pentecostal, Lutheran, Presbyterian, you've got the same enemy. Yes. Right. Your enemy is the devil. 
the well, end. I thought you were going to say the Dodgers. Yeah, oh. <laughs> is is the devil, and you know Jesus Himself tells us in Mark three, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Yeah. So if we as Christians are so busy fighting with each other over stuff that does not matter, then how are we ever going to expect to make any headway against the enemy? How are we ever going to be able to expect to be part of this growth of the kingdom of God and to see revival happening in our times? We say, oh yes, Lord, send us revival. And then instead of doing anything positive to maybe make that happen or help that happen, you're like, yeah, Lord, just please send us revival. Oh, and those Arminians over there really need to shut up. <laughs> what? <laughs> just don't get it because, you know, there are really important things going on in this world today. And there are things that are happening in our country, in the world, where you can very clearly see the enemy coming against the people of God. You know, here in America, in Arizona, a couple months ago, there was a 26-year-old guy street preacher, who was shot in the head while he was street preaching. You've got information coming out now about these attacks against Ukraine and, you know, and Russia and Ukraine are, have been involved in this war for a few years now at this point. But this information that is coming out now that the Russian military has been specifically attacking evangelical churches and evangelical pastors in Ukraine. And it seems at this point that probably a couple dozen evangelical leaders in Ukraine have been killed because the Russian military has decided that Christian Ukrainians are and somehow in cahoots with America or are in direct affront to the Russians. And let's not even get started on what's been going on in Nigeria. There was a actually an article that was in the Christian Post, and it, the title of it was Nigerian Christians are being slaughtered. Does anyone even care? Because no one talks about it, and it is real. And we're not talking about, you know, oh, a couple people or, oh, it's not that big deal. We're talking about thousands of Christians in Nigeria being killed every single day year and with those numbers increasing and getting worse we're talking about 5 million nigerian christians being displaced we're talking about 18,000 churches in nigeria being burned down this isn't something that people are exaggerating well and now even in our neighbor to the north in canada the churches are getting a lot of pushback from the government and and people who are burning down churches or attacking people in ministry are not really being prosecuted by the government. They're kind of being given a pass or just we're not going to go investigate it. And we have to understand that the world changes, mm -hmm. leaders change, governments change. And to everything, um, there is a season. But our Lord does not change, and his kingdom does not change, and only his kingdom is forever. And we know that the, you know, that God's kingdom uh, will be victorious. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But that symbol of that word, phrase, the gates of hell, means like the power of hell, the, the, the authorities of hell, the strength of hell. And you might think, oh, see, we're going to win. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight or not, but even when you win a fight, you don't win because you're hurting the next day. Mm -hmm. You're oftentimes injured, you know, injured, sometimes some, permanently, sometimes permanently injured because of a fight that you were in, or some kind of battle that you were in. And so 
you know, we have a, well, there's a question right now that's going around in social media that is, you know, if Christianity became a felony, would you still be a Christian? And the truth is, I think most of the people, and I'm just going to do this as an aside because I want to mention the Courier update. Most of the people right now that would have left under that condition left during COVID. Okay. But it's not them making it a felony that makes it bad. It's when you say, I'm still going to go, and then the government decides how they're going to persecute you. Mm-hmm. That's when you find out if you're going to deny Christ or not, if you're going to walk away or not. And most people will. And it's not because they're bad people or they have bad hearts, but it's because they've been running in the fruit of the flesh. They've been living off of that, and they are malnourished. Mm-hmm. They're sickly because they're eating that rotten fruit of divisions and factions and 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 all of those kinds of uh, things that are worldly and it's it, it's made them not strong enough to stand up when the real testing and trials come. So I think we need to look to the persecuted church. Uh, I'm going to address that topic in the career update in the March career update. So if you're not on the list for that, there is a link in the description notes for this episode where you can go ahead and click on that, and that'll take you to a form where you can get signed up to receive that courier update. That goes snail mail to your house every month, and there is some great, really helpful information in there that we don't always get to talk about as openly on the podcast. And that's where you're really going to get some specifics about things that are going on in real time in other countries, on career trips, stuff that we don't get to talk about here. So would definitely recommend getting on that list for the career update if you are not already. And in that hypothetical that I mentioned, if the church, if Christianity was made a felony and and then we resisted and the government began to persecute. One of the things they do is they shut down podcasts like this one. Absolutely. It wouldn't shut us down first because we're small and not noticeable, <laughs> but they would eventually, Actually. eventually they'd get to us and they'd shut us down, but they're going to have a real hard time shutting down that career update that comes out <laughs> your mailbox and your physical mail. Yeah. So we'll just take the return address off and no one's going to know where it's coming from unless they open it. Yep. Right. So, so we want to encourage you uh, get that career update. You'll find out this topic about will you deny Christ? The answer is yes. And then how to prepare yourself so that you can have the best chance of remaining in Christ and or, or, or not denying Christ. And you can have the best ability to recover if you do. We'll probably be two or three parts. And by that time I get those written, we'll have had our team have gone to the persecuted church, taken Bibles in, and they'll be back, and they'll be writing some articles about what's going on in the persecuted, persecuted church. church. So, You definitely want to get that because the Courier Update and hopefully this podcast are really a great way to help you focus your mind and heart on the things that are important. Right. Because that's really what we wanted to talk about today is not focusing on the unimportant things, not getting caught up in the drama and the divisions and the cancel culture of Christianity, right? We get so mad about when when the world wants to cancel us, but we love canceling each other. Not getting caught up in that and instead focusing on the important things. Instead of 
going around and causing arguments, what can we do to promote unity? We should all be working together with a common goal in mind. Right. The biggest common goal, of course, to spread the gospel. Right. But I think that all Christians should have a common goal of getting God's word to as many people as possible. Because if you are a Christian and you have been transformed by Jesus and you have a relationship with him, then you should want everyone to be able to engage with him in the way that you're able to through his word. And when you are abiding in him through his word, you are going to understand the difference between the unimportant things and the important things. You're going to be reminded to be praying for our brothers and sisters in chains who are genuinely suffering. You're going to realize that the Christians who are being slaughtered around the world are a little bit more important than some Christian pastor who says that, you know, I, I've i listened to this music or I've watched this movie or blah, blah, blah. Who cares, right? We have a mission. We have a goal. We have an enemy. Let's stop fighting within the camp and let's do whatever we can to take over the enemy yeah, camp. Just piggybacking on what you said on the abiding in Christ bit, I think that if you if if we really want to be able to discern what's secondary, yep. what hill do I die on? Do I go to that wedding or not? And what's my role there? Because going to it's different than officiating it, but okay. So, so we we wanted to be able to really discern that for this specific situation. How do I apply God's law? How do I apply Jesus' principles? How do I love? Because love is a in the Bible is a delivering kind of love. How do I love in a way that delivers somebody closer to God? That's really how we want to love people. So, we're trying to figure that out. You're not going to be able to figure it out in your own flesh or with your own clever mind. You really need to be. In the Word, you really need to be abiding in Christ, and and I should say we, uh, speaking to myself as well, and we really need to be in prayer so that we can hear the voice of the Lord. We can hear and we can make those decisions because we want to be, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I'll bet you, I'm just going to, I'm not a betting man, but I'll, but I'll make a bet on this one. Somewhere in the Bible, it probably says that being a peacemaker results in a state of blessedness. I'm just, I'm just uh, yeah, going out on a limb. Yeah, I think it says that somewhere. I thought my friend Matt might have said that. Yeah. Man, yeah. maybe uh, it maybe Something a, called like these attitudes or something. These, Yeah, these attitudes. Yeah. Yeah, how y'all ought to be. The attitudes. Yeah. And I, so, I think that really just brings us back to what you said in the beginning, which is that as Christians, we're not held to this old covenant and this old law, we're held to a higher standard that's based on the principles that Jesus gave to us. And with that, if we want to be able to live out the principles of Christ, we have to be abiding in him. We have to be able to have a close enough relationship with the Lord that we can hear the Holy Spirit convicting us, leading us, mm. guiding us, right? right? And so if we want to be able to do that, that abiding piece is critical. And if we want to know what's important, that abiding piece is critical. So hopefully, now that you all have listened to this little bit of a heated discussion, I hopefully that you, uh, my hope is that you will see, okay, take away from this. If I want to know what's important, I have to abide in Christ and I need to keep my eyes off of all this drama and on 
who Jesus really is and what he's called all of us to do and who we really are called to fight against. And learn from our brothers and sisters who are in the trenches, work together, encourage each other, build each other up, encourage each other towards love and good deeds, be less concerned about your territory and more concerned about God's kingdom, less concerned about your church and more concerned about the church. Mm-hmm. And at any place where you can compromise, that's not a compromise. That's a bad word because I we, we use that differently. And yeah. so I don't want to say any place where you can be agreeable or that you can overlook the fault in somebody else, mm-hmm. do it. And only die on the hills where you absolutely there's absolutely no room. Yes. Who is Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like that. Okay. Well, listen, be blessed. And thanks for joining us on The Harder Way. We're glad to be walking this with you. And check out the Courier Courier Update. If you're not getting it, it's going to be, I think you're going to find it really interesting this next month. And we will catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.